Father, we thank you so much for bringing us together, and we thank you, Lord, that your presence is with us. Thank you, Jesus, that you promised to never leave us, to never forsake us. And right now, we just bring every care, every concern, every need that we have before you right now. We thank you, Jesus, that you are the good shepherd of our soul. And right now, we just lift up our hearts to you, and we just pray right now that you would meet every need. We trust in you, Lord, and we thank you that there is nothing impossible for you, no mountain of difficulty that you cannot move. Lord, for any trials that different ones are walking through, we thank you, God, that you give us grace in the midst of our trials. And Lord, right now, I just pray that you would fill each and every person with the power of your spirit right now, Lord, that we would live the overcoming life that you've called us to overcome right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, once again, it's just good to be here, and for those of you who may be joining here just about uh, any time now, we will be having a service in our church parking lot this Sunday um, uh, at 10.30 a.m., so I will send out some more details hopefully tomorrow. Uh, There's not a whole lot more that you need to know other than we just got to stay in our cars, and uh, hopefully we'll have a good time being together as we just share uh, one with another. So I would like to turn in our Bibles here tonight to the book of uh, Acts chapter 13. We're going to be focusing primarily in the book of Psalms chapter 25, but there was a couple of verses that I was reading here in Acts 13, uh, starting in verse 21, that I was thinking about King David here. And this was a message by King Saul that he was speaking uh, to the people. And he said this about uh, the people of Israel in verse 21 of Acts chapter 13. It says, And afterward they asked for a king, so God gave them Saul, the son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin, for 40 years. And when he had removed him, he raised up for them David as king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who will do all my will. David, a man after God's own heart. And why was David a man after God's own heart? Because he was a man who would do all of God's will. You know, in this time of, of a shutdown that we've been in, it's been uh, very aggravating for some. Others have been enjoying the time off. Um, but it's a time when I do pray that you've been drawing near to God, that you've been reading the word of God and his scriptures and just... Uh, uh, digging in, so to say, and seeking the Lord and using this time uh, for the benefit of your soul, for the benefit of other people. But in the history of Israel, King Saul was Israel's first king, and he was head and shoulders taller than everybody else. Uh, when people looked at him, they thought, you know, this is certainly the one that God would want for uh, to lead our nation. Uh, he had a lot of good qualities. He had a good start. But Saul also had a lot of deficiencies, and the biggest deficiency that he had was that he would not do what God had told him to do. He wouldn't finish the task. And so my prayer for us tonight is that we would just ask God to give us a heart like David even more so, to say, Lord, help us to not be distracted by the news and all that's happening around us. Again, I always say this, I'm not saying that we should be ignorant of what's happening around us, but Lord, help us to not be distracted from what's going on around us, and help us to remember that, God, you have a purpose and you have a plan for us to to fulfill in this generation. And so my prayer for us is that we would say, God, help us to be like David. David encountered a lot of opposition. He encountered a lot of turmoil in his life, a lot of upheaval, a lot of change. 
And in spite of all that change and upheaval that David encountered, he was a man who God's testimony of him was, God said of David, he is a man after my own heart. And the reason why is because he would do and fulfill all of God's will. But what a testimony to have God say that about David. How would you like for God to say that about you? Well, you may look at your past life or even your present day today and say, yikes, I don't think God could say that about my life today or certainly not in the past. Well, the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ is today is a brand new day and we can begin again. And we can pray and say, Lord, please forgive me uh, for not doing your will, pursuing your will, for perhaps being a person who simply wants to do what I want to do, and to sincerely repent and say, God, forgive me. Lord, would you place inside of my heart what David had inside of his heart? Would you place inside of me, Lord, that desire that would say, Lord, I want to do your will. I want to be a person after your own heart, that God, when you think about me, that you would say, there's a person whom I love, one who does my will. It reminds me of the story of Jesus when he was baptized and he came up out of the water. And what was our Heavenly Father's testimony of Jesus? This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Why was God the Father well pleased with Jesus? Well, he was well pleased with Jesus because Jesus said he came not to do his own will, but the will of his Heavenly Father. And not just when it was convenient, by the way, not just when it was going to be a benefit or a blessing to him, Jesus gave us a wonderful illustration of somebody who was willing to do God's will even at the expense of his own life. Wow. Could you imagine to say, Lord, each day when I wake up, help me to not simply pray, you know, Lord, I want the day to go good and to go well and keep me safe. Uh, That's not wrong to pray for that. But to say, Lord, above and beyond all else, God, I want to live for your glory. God, I want to do your will. Whatever it is that would please you, Lord, I want my life to be given and that you could take my life, use it however you choose to use it, and uh, do something with my life. I'm reminded about a story about my dad. Some of you, especially those of you who are part of this church and perhaps others who know our family, Um, They remember my dad. He was a wonderful preacher, a great preacher. He would preach uh, about 500 times a year. Nearly 10 years he went, if not actually a little bit longer, over 5,000 services preaching revival services, the gospel of Jesus Christ, and watching people's lives being transformed by the power of God. And then he went through a season after that where he was literally bedridden, bedbound for nearly 10 years of his life. And I remember a conversation that I had with him, actually more than one conversation that I had with him when he was in his room, and the only time literally that he would get out of his room was perhaps to go use the restroom, and even that was a chore, or possibly to the hospital. And he shared with me a little bit about what it was like to to the frustrations at first, you know, to go from a life that was very busy, very active, church meetings twice a day, Uh, six days a week, Sunday through Friday, just going, 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 going for the Lord and watching the Lord do so many wonderful things to be in captured in his bedroom, to be in just locked down, so to say, not able to get out, feeling at first, especially, Lord, why have you set me aside? What is this all about? 
inside of his heart and his mind, his spirit was filled with a passion of God, the life of God, just wanting to get back out on the road. Uh, but his body said no. And he began to tell me that he said, you know, son, what the Lord is doing is just bringing him back, was bringing him back to his roots. Uh, for those of you who may not know, my father went home to be with the Lord uh, back in December of 2016. So I'm sharing some, some older conversations, but I've never forgotten them. Is he said he was relearning, just going back to that priority of what began in his life of ministry long before public meetings, is he would spend hour upon hour in God's word in prayer. And so rather than allowing that time of seclusion and that time of, of being a shut-in and locked down and not able to get out and about in ministry, rather than allow it to drive a wedge between him and God, he used that time to say, well, Lord, you know, my life is at your disposal. Use me as you will. And so him and my mom especially, they, they just went back to prayer. Their lives may not, be, not have been in the public spotlight anymore. That was never what they wanted. But they just went back, and they never stopped, but they just used that time at home to pray and to seek God and to read his word and to spend time with him and to pray for the people of God. And so let me tell you that this time that you have right now, uh, I know that many more people are getting more active and out and about but no matter where you're at in life, if, you're, if you are a shut-in and, and you're looking at this coronavirus lockdown and you're saying, you know what, lockdown, I've been locked down for months or years and nothing new to me. Well, why not let it become something new if your relationship with the Lord needs to grow stronger and to say, Lord, uh, it is easy to busy our lives running here and there, to and fro, just busying our lives with even seemingly good things. Just busy, busy, busy. And instead to say, Lord, you know, this shutdown may be coming to a close prayerfully soon. Lord, are there areas in my life that you want me to reprioritize? Lord, help me to begin to pray and to seek after you. Help me to ask for that heart like King David to say, Lord, I want you to say about my life that when I stand before you to give an account of my life, that you would say, well done, good and faithful servant, son or daughter. You are a person after my own heart, somebody who will fulfill and do all my will. You know, what's that so good about that is God's will is always perfect and just and true. God's will brings blessing wherever it goes. Jesus taught us to pray in Matthew chapter 6. He said, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so as we get to Psalms 25 now, let's just say, Lord, what is it about David and his prayer life? What can we learn from him? A lot of the Psalms were written by David, but here we have a Psalm of David, a prayer of deliverance. And I just want us to go through this and just to catch his heart and to see what is it about David that, okay, we know that he was somebody who would do God's will, but let's read I mean, this is a letter, a prayer of his that has been passed on to us thousands of years later that we can literally read about the heart of David. Are you there in Psalms 25? I don't have them up on the screen for you, so you've got to get your Bible out. Uh, let's read here. Verse 1. He says, To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, I trust in you. We learn there the first couple of verses. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. David was a man who would lift up his soul unto God. 
There are many out there that, you know, we're going through a difficult time or perhaps you're going through a time of depression and we lift up our soul unto all sorts of things in this world. Perhaps to a friend, we just bear our soul open and we just share with them every every heartache and sorrow that we have. Nothing wrong with doing that. But you know what? There is a time that we need to lift up our soul unto God. I'm reminded about Hannah in the Bible, 1 Samuel. And she prayed for a son. She had no children. And she was in agony and anguish. And she poured out her soul unto the Lord. David was a man after God's own heart because he would lift up his soul unto God. He wouldn't just think about doing it, though. He lifted up his soul unto God in prayer. And I want to encourage you that if you have no place of privacy, if you just need to get in the car, uh, I don't know where you can go. There's somewhere that you can go. But you need to find a time and a place where you can just go and begin to lift up your soul unto God to confess to him, to say, Oh my God, I trust in you. Let me not be ashamed and let not my enemies triumph over me. Indeed, let no one who waits on you be ashamed. Let those be ashamed who deal treacherously without cause. David prays to God in verse 2, the second half, Let me not be ashamed. Let not my enemies triumph over me. I can remember years ago, I was in my freshman year of college in uh, Springfield, Missouri, and I was saying, well, uh, what kind of enemies? I don't have any enemies, Lord, that I know of. And uh, the Lord quickly reminded me that, well, actually, we all have an enemy. His name is Satan, and he comes as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Uh, He is constantly throwing fiery darts at the wicked, darts of discouragement, doubt, depression, uh, just unbelief, hopelessness, and despair. We have enemies all around us, and we need to pray to say, God, don't let my enemies triumph over me. Let no one who waits on you be ashamed. And by the way, when we wait upon God, it's not that we wait and do nothing, no We are waiting with expectation, saying, Lord, let me not be ashamed, for I am expecting you to come and to bring deliverance. Let's look at verse 4. David prays, Show me your ways, O Lord, and teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. On you I wait all the day. Verse 4 and 5, look at it again. David is praying. He's a man after God's own heart. He's lifted up his soul unto God. He's saying, he's confessing, God, I trust in you. Again, he's not just thinking, well, I'm thinking, oh, I trust in you. No, God wants you to verbalize it. If I could encourage you, verbalize it out loud. You don't have to yell and scream. If you want to be loud, go ahead. Sometimes you may need to do that. But verbalize, confess it. God, I trust in you. And then David's praying, Lord, would you show me your ways? Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. I see an incredible humility here in David, that even though he's a mighty warrior, he's the giant killer, even though he is the anointed one of God who's been chosen to become king, he's saying, God, show me your ways. Lord, I don't have all the necessary information or wisdom that I need to live this life and to allow this life to bring glory to you. No, there's a heart cry in his heart saying, Oh God, show me your ways, O Lord. Lead me in your truth and teach me. 
For you are the God of my salvation. On you I wait all the day. Let's go to verse 6 through 7. He says, Remember, O Lord, your tender mercies and your loving kindnesses. How interesting that David would ask the Lord to say, Lord, remember your tender mercies and your loving kindnesses. I don't think that it's necessarily that God forgets to be merciful or kind. No, he is kind to the unthankful, to the evil. He's kind to all. But David is just reaching out. He's pouring out his soul, lifting up his soul, just saying, Oh God, please remember this towards me, your tender mercies and your loving kindness, for they are from of old. Do not remember the sins of my youth, nor my transgressions. Instead, according to your mercy, remember me for your goodness sake, O Lord. I I would guess to say that there's many who would say, oh, I could agree with David there. Remember not the sins of my youth. Well, hopefully that will give you hope to realize that at the end of David's life, that God would testify of him and say, you know what? David is a man after my own heart. He will fulfill all my will. The fact that God said that he was a man after his own heart didn't mean that David was perfect. I can't go in it tonight for time's sake. We all know, hopefully you know, if you haven't read the story of David found in 1 and 2 Samuel, he was far from perfect. But no, he was a man who constantly ran to God and came to God and asked for his mercy. And he didn't ask for his mercy uh, in vain, He didn't ask for his mercy just so that way he could go and do what he wanted to do. No, David was set. He was determined to say, God, I want to do your will. When he messed up, when he failed God, he was quick to repent. It it tore his heart out. He was grieved at the sin of his own heart. And so I would say, you know, if that's your heart to say, Lord, thank you. Uh, Don't remember the sins of my youth, but instead remember me. According to your mercy, for your goodness sake, O Lord. Verse 8, I would like to read it. Good and upright is the Lord, therefore he will teach sinners in the way. I want to pause here to say this is one reason why we need to spend time in God's word. Because when we go through trials, if you listen or watch the news incessantly, you begin to lose perspective about who God is and what he is like. And your, your faith begins to diminish. Your fears or agitations begin to grow. Uh, David was a man who spent time in God's word. He knew, God, you are good. You are upright. God is absolutely perfect. And so David was a man after God's own heart because he knew who God was. If you don't know who God is, if you want to spend time, you've got to spend time in his book, in his word, his Bible. To say, Lord, I don't want to simply learn about you from a preacher. I don't want to simply learn about you from what I think you're like. God, I want to learn about who you are from what your word says that you are like. He goes on to say that God will teach sinners in the way. Are there any candidates out there to say, hey, I'm a sinner? Paul the Apostle, by the way, uh, he not only called himself an apostle, but he said, you know what? Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. He didn't say, I was chief. He said, no, I am chief. And so it's not wrong in your walk with the Lord. It's not meant to diminish any self-esteem. We shouldn't be worried about our self-esteem. No, God knows us through and through, and you know yourself. To say, Lord, uh, thank you that you teach sinners in the way. 
the humble, verse 9, he guides in justice. The humble he guides in justice, and the humble he will teach his way. All the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth to such as keep his covenant and his testimonies. For your namesake, O Lord, pardon my iniquity, for it is great. David was not a man who would hide or cover his sin. He was not a man who pretended to be something that he was not. David was a humble man. Why else was he a man after God's own heart? He was a man who was humble. Here he's praying to God, saying, Lord, do not remember the sins of my youth, but remember me according to your loving kindness and your tender mercies. Here he is saying, for your name's sake, O Lord, pardon my iniquity, for it is great. He acknowledges the goodness of God. He says, Lord, the humble you will guide and teach your way. If you want to have a heart like David, you know, it's, it's a difficult subject to talk about in, in some ways, but to say, Lord, you know, how is my heart? Is there pride in my heart? I think most all humanity would say, no, no, there's no pride. But you know what? Pride is what sent Satan out of heaven. Uh, pride is an abomination in the eyes of God. Pride, the Bible says in several places that God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. You know, it's only for the Lord to be able to tell you, and, and even sometimes our own heart deceives ourselves, or we deceive ourselves in our own heart, and we think, no, I'm humble. There's, there's no pride in me. Well, ask the Lord to say, Lord, am I walking in humility? Do I think of others as better than myself? Lord, do I want to see others advance far, far in, in, in front of me and to do better than me? Lord, am I quick to think the best of others? Or, Lord, do I always just see the best in my own heart, and, and I always give myself the benefit of the doubt, but not others? There's a whole lot more we could say about pride and humility. Uh, but just ask the Lord to say, Lord, uh, Paul the Apostle said in the book of Colossians that we should be clothed with humility. Let each esteem others better than themselves. And to say, Lord, David said that the humble... God will guide with justice, and the humble, he will teach his way. If you need to find God's will, if you're struggling to hear him, maybe ask the Lord to open up your heart to say, God, if there's any pride, if there's any arrogance, if there's any haughtiness that looks down on others, that doesn't seek to lift them up, God, would you forgive me? Lord, I don't want that pride in my heart. God, I want to be clothed with humility. For Lord, you dwell with the humble and the meek. Let's move on here. Verse 12, he says, Who is the man that fears the Lord? Him shall he teach in the way he chooses. He himself shall dwell in prosperity, and his descendants shall inherit the earth. The secret of the Lord is with those who fear him, and he will show them his covenant. Wow. There's a whole lot there. Verse 12 through 14. Who is the man that fears the Lord? Him, God shall teach that person in the way he chooses. David was a man after God's own heart because he lifted up his soul to the Lord. He confessed his trust in God. He asked the Lord to show him his ways. He acknowledged to God, Lord, I don't know the way that I need to go. Would you please teach me the way that I need to go? He confessed his sins. He was very open and humble. It was like, Lord, uh, forgive my iniquity, for it is so great. Uh, he was humble. 
before the Lord. He lifted other people up. Next, he was a man who feared God. He reverenced God. You know, in our society, it would do America, let's forget even our nation right now, it would do the church, each of us, a whole lot of good and benefit if we had a much greater fear and reverence of God. I'm not talking about a fear that would cause us to not want to draw near to him. I'm just talking about a respect, an admiration, a heart that would stand in awe of our God. I forget if it was last week I shared out of the book of Hebrews chapter 12. It says, therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear for our God is a consuming fire. You know, instead of allowing our hearts to become troubled by all that's going on around us, why not allow our hearts to stand in awe and adoration of our living God that the Bible compares to a consuming fire? The Bible says that he dwells in a light that no man can approach unto. The Bible says that his eyes run to and fro throughout the whole world, searching for those whose heart is perfect towards him. God sees everything. He knows everything. He is the one that we will stand, each of us, individually, and we will give an account to him for our life. Jesus said that by our words we will be justified, by our words we will be condemned. He said that men will give an account for every idle word that they have spoken. Every idle word that they have spoken. David was a man who feared God. It wasn't a fear that caused him, though, to run from God or to cower, uh, to not want to be around God. No, it was a, a fear of God, a reverence of God, that caused him to worship. It was a fear and a reverence of God that caused him to write down many of these psalms that we have here. It was a fear and a reverence of God that knew that he had a responsibility to fulfill and to do the will of God. You see, when God shows us his will, when he tells us what he's commanded us to do, it's not for our suggestion. It's not so that, hey, if you want your best life now, maybe you ought to try out my will. Give it a try. No, God's will is for our obedience, that we should stand in loving, reverential fear and awe of our Heavenly Father to know and to acknowledge, God, when you speak, I'll do it. You know exactly what is best for my life. Let's go on to verse 15 of chapter 25. He says, My eyes are ever toward the Lord, for he shall pluck my feet out of the net. David's eyes were ever toward the Lord. I want to lay down a challenge for you just over the next few days before we gather on Sunday in the parking lot. To say, God, would you help my eyes to be ever toward you? Again, I might read the news. I might skim it. Lord, I want my eyes toward you. Lord, I don't want my eyes on the latest news flash. I don't want my eyes on Facebook constantly. I don't want my eyes on social media or, or even on my family or if there's turmoil in your home. Don't let your eyes be in the turmoil all around you. Instead to say, Lord, my eyes are ever toward you, for you shall pluck my feet out of the net. He goes on to say in verse 16, Turn yourself to me and have mercy on me, for I am desolate and afflicted. The troubles of my heart have enlarged. Bring me out of my distresses. 
Look on my infliction and my pain and forgive all my sins. Here, David, again, he's a man who's not afraid to confess to God the troubles that he's going through. But he said, Lord, I'm desolate, afflicted. The troubles of a heart have enlarged. Let me tell you, in your relationship with God, uh, take the cues from David. It's not wrong, by the way, to confess to God what you're going through, to confess to God if you're having a hard day. Some people, sadly, they're, they're afraid to confess anything negative. I want to tell you, that's a bunch of phony baloney. No, read the Psalms. David is pouring out his heart to God. I want to tell you, it doesn't do any good to complain to people. But David lifted up his soul to God. And he lifted up his soul to God in faith and expectation, saying, look on my affliction and my pain, forgive all my sin. Verse 19, consider my enemies, for they are many, and they that hate me with cruel hatred. Keep my soul and deliver me. Let me not be ashamed, for I put my trust in you. Let integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait for you. Redeem Israel, O God, out of all his troubles. Verse 21, after David has been praying his prayer of deliverance, saying, God, deliver my soul. He says in verse 21, let integrity and uprightness deliver me for I wait on you. David was a man after God's own heart. Why? Not because he was perfect, but he was a man who walked in integrity and uprightness. What you saw was what you got. He was sincere. He was humble. He was, he was never seeking to push other people aside so that way he could step forward. No, no. That was so far from David's heart. I'm thinking of so much right now that we could go into about David. He was a man who simply wanted to do God's will. David was a man after God's own heart. He was a man of integrity, uprightness. He was a man who understood his own heart and the sin of his own heart, and he asked God to remember him according to his mercy. David was a man who lifted up his soul unto God, and he said, Lord, My eyes are ever toward you, for you shall pluck my feet out of this net. I just want us to wrap up this time here as we have shared about David, a a man after God's own heart and his prayer for deliverance, and encourage you to say, Lord, would you help me to do the same? Lord, I can't change yesterday. I can't change what's happened today. But Lord, we're coming to the close of today, and tomorrow's a brand new day, and your mercies are new every morning. Lord, would you help me to be like David, to say, God, I want to do your will. Whatever it costs, wherever I go, Lord, I want to fulfill your will. Let's pray together and just invite the Lord here to develop inside of our heart a a heart like David that would do his will. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you so much for causing David, Lord, just inspiring him to write Psalms 25 down. God, we ask that you would cause that psalm to be written upon the table of our heart. Lord, let it be said of each of us who listen or watch that, Lord, by the time that we stand before you on that day of accountability, that, Lord, that it would be a day of joy, that we would long to hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of the Lord. Lord, help us to realize that no matter what is happening today, 
Lord, it has not sidetracked your plan for our life, your purposes for our life. Lord, as I reminded the those who are listening about the story of my dad, who went from being extremely busy in life and ministry, that, Lord, he went through a, a decade, if not longer, of being a shut-in, being confined, no longer able to be out in public, no longer able to be around the people of God as he once was. But nonetheless, God, it became a fruitful time of ministry, a fruitful time of growing in his relationship with you, a fruitful time of prayer and learning to pray for others. I pray that, God, for each and every one of us, that, Lord, no matter how long we go through this season of time, help it to not be in vain. But, God, I pray that our eyes would not be fixated upon news or social media or family troubles or strifes or quarrels. But, Lord, help our eyes to be fixed on you. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, God bless you once again, church. I miss you. Uh, for those of you who may have just joined, we are having our service in the parking lot on Sunday morning at 1030 in the parking lot. We're praying for good weather and that it'll be a time that all the technical equipment will run well. Yeah, I just pray that you have a good rest of your week. Let's keep our eyes on Jesus and just trust him to do great.